Okay, welcome to this week's opening bell. I'm Boxing News Editor Tris Dixon, joined, I'm pleased to say, by Nisi Sauerland. How's it all going? Everything's going well, thank you very much, Tris. Good to be here. And um, you had a big show on in uh, Denmark over the weekend. Please, please, how it went? Yeah, very pleased. You know, we had this young kid, Patrick Nielsen. Um, he's uh, 21 or 22 and 0 now. He's only 22 years old. Um, he's ranked highly in all the federations. Um, strong southpaw. And, um, you know, he's, he's, he's coming along nicely. under the t He's training with Joey Gamash, uh, former two-time world champion. And, um, you know, he's, he's really progressing a lot. And Joey, who was based in New York and training people in North America, he's now based in Denmark training your, your guys. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we uh, you know, we got in touch um, through uh, Don Majeski out there. And, um, and actually Dean Powell, God rest his soul, recommended him originally. Um, and, uh, you know, I, 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 I spoke to him, got him over for, to watch my kids, uh, spent a week with them. Uh, he was very impressed. He said, you know, you've got a blank canvas here. You can really bring these kids along. Um, and, you know, he's done that. And we, we, you know, we're building a nice stable out there. Okay, good stuff. And how far have you come uh, today to be in the office? Because you're not based in Germany, are you? Or Denmark, for that matter. No, I've, I mean, I've, me and my brother have lived in London since we were, well, I was two months old. He was two years and four months old. So uh, we've lived here all our lives. Um, so, yeah, I had a 15-minute tube ride. Uh, yeah, very nice to just pop into the office. Yeah, definitely. You should come here more often. Um, with regards to um, Patrick Nielsen, we've got a fight report uh, in this week's issue. Um, and I think it's fair to say Perak person says that there's something there to work with, um, but he's going to need to step up the level of um, opposition before long. Um, at the same time, I can see, judging by the fan reaction in Denmark, he's also a character and a commodity that you need to develop. Um, what comes first, stepping up the level of opposition or building that fan base? Well, uh, <coughs> the thing about Patrick was he was, um, he was in uh, Dancing with Stars, uh, you know, we have it over here on the BBC, very high, highly rated show. He got all the way to the final and came second. Um, the problem there is his, his fame was above his boxing. Uh, so he was known more as a dancer than as a boxer. So now we're trying to catch the boxing up with the fame part. He, everyone knows who he is, but they know him for the wrong reasons. And now we need him to prove himself inside the boxing ring, which he is doing, and he's getting recognised for that. Um, he's got a very good fan base over there. Um, and, you know, of course, Mikkel Kessler opened up the doors for that and, and, and allowed, um, you know, a young kid like uh, Patrick to come through. And, 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 you know, the popularity and the need and the hunger for boxing is already there. Um, so, you know, we have, to, we have to fill that hole. Sure. With regards to um, Nielsen, you obviously mentioned Mikkel there. Um, Patrick, 160 pounds, Mikkel, 168. Uh, possible fight down the line? Yeah, you know, you never know. Boxing's, a, you know, as you know, is a weird game. Um, you know, a, a domestic fight is always special. Look at Frotch and Groves. It's, you know, it's a massive, massive fight. Um, this would be ma massive pay-per-view in uh, in Denmark. Um, but you know, I think I think that's a long way off at the moment. Okay, all right. Um, okay, tell tell us about um, the captain and what's going on with uh, with Mr. Hook, who as you know, has, has cultivated a somewhat um, large fan base in the UK. He's sort of a cult hero now in the UK, thanks to 
his appearances, I think, on Satanta at the start, and then Box Nation. Um, we sort of followed him almost every step of the way from from those early days when he was a very sort of crude swinging operator to a guy who's now racked up nearly a record record uh, number of defenses. Yeah, you know, with with Marco, he's uh, you know, he'll he'll be fighting again before the summer. Um, you know, Marco's one of these guys, he's almost learnt on the job. Um, you know, he, he first, at the beginning of his career, he re relied just purely on his power and the fact he was, you know, he was just a strong guy. You know, he's a proper, you know, real beast in there. Um, now, um, Marco's learnt on the job, as I just said, and uh, he's become a bit better boxer, but it's still that sort of raw energy and that raw power that people like to watch. Um, and, and, you know, it... Marco's never been in a bad fight. Um, in the magazine this week, we've actually speculated um, what might happen, or we haven't, we've left it to the readers, but what might happen if Marco had fought Johnny Nelson and they were both at their primes, in their primes. How would you have seen that fight going? You know, jo Johnny was a, a slippery customer. I think he, you know, I think he, uh, I think he, he actually in his first 10 fights may have lost four or five of his first yeah, fights. Yeah, he had a really patchy start. But then he went over to Germany, and uh, and this is what I believe is the story, and I believe he's told me this, but Johnny, if I'm wrong, correct me. Um, he, he sparred with uh, Henry Masker and I think even Axel Schultz. Um, and it gave him the belief. He said, wow, look, I can mix it with these guys. Let me take this and, you know, put this into my career and take the confidence out. And he never looked back. Um, I believe he defended his WBO title. Actually, I think more than hook just yeah, one more than hook yeah. or equal to hook Marco's on the yeah. on the so uh, you know it'll be it'll be an interesting fight um you know that Johnny's a slippery customer as i say um but Marco's real power um you going to you going to put me on yeah, the spot I am, yeah yeah definitive oh. answer <laughs> uh, okay well look I, look I think Johnny Johnny might get angry at me but I'd say I'd say hook decision okay. he says that with a wink as well at the same time <laughs> Um, okay, we've talked um, a little bit before um, we went on air about um, Frotch and Groves um, and that it's good for the sport that that fight's been made. Uh, so many fights have gone, the gone by the wayside apparently in, in recent years, but um, you've got a, a significant uh, chunk of the cruiserweight talent around at the moment. You have Marco and Juan Pablo Hernandez and that's one of the sort of dream fights that people would, would, would want to see. Um, are you, is that a match you're looking to make? Get those two guys in together. Um, you know, I think I think with that fight, it, it, the, the the problem with that is they have the same trainer. Um, um, you know, I, I I could actually see that fight being made one day. I really could, um, and I think it'll be a great fight. Um, you know, they spar a lot of each other as well, so they know each other, which could either go for a good fight or a bad fight. You never know. Um, but yeah, I mean, that, that fight could be made one day, but I don't see it happening in the near future because I think there's so many good fights to make out there at Cruiserweight um, that, you know, it's, 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 not, it's not like a frotch grows, you know, two super middleweights who, who are on a collision course. I think, uh, you know, there's enough Cruiserweight action out there to... to, uh, to, to for to them to start narrowing down the field. Exactly, so exactly. Like, yeah, okay. Um, we have a question here from, uh, from uh, Adrian McSwiggan off uh, Twitter who says, uh, where do you see David Price in 18 months if all goes well? And what was the issue with David and Adam Booth? 
Um, you know, I think uh, I'll start with the issue of uh, uh, Adam and David. I, I, I believe it was, uh, you know, personal, not personal differences, but business differences between the two. Um, we get along with Adam very well. Um, you know, my, my brother is in touch with Adam on a daily basis. We've worked with David Hay, you know, over the years, and it's worked very well. Um, so it's, as far as that's concerned, it's nothing to do with me or my brother, that sure. side of things. Um, regarding 18 months with uh, uh, David Price, you know, um, I met him on Monday. Um, he's training very well under the tutelage of uh, Tommy Brooks. Um, you know, he's going to make his next fight on the 29th of March. The idea is to have him out once more before the summer. And then, you know, uh, early after the summer, bring him back to Liverpool. Um, and, you know, 18 months, it's, it's, it's a good question, you know. If all, all goes to plan, we could have him in line to be fighting for a major title. Have you made a big investment into David? You know, when you look at where, who's the star names in your stable, yeah. is your investment in David as, as, as great as it has been in some of the other stars that you've got? Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, he, for, for me, David is, um, you know, I saw him, the first time I saw him, and the reason why I was really, really wanted to sign the guy was because I saw him sparring with Pulev, uh, Kubrat Pulev, uh, IBF number one, um, over in Berlin and I saw him and I thought oh my god for a big guy this guy's so quick um, hits hard has great boxing brain um, and you know after that day I always wanted to start we had a few meetings with uh, Frank Maloney but it never came of anything so when he had his first loss uh, second loss against Tony Thompson I showed my brother the video again and he saw you know what good feet he had and you know what a big big right hand he had as well um, and we went hell for leather to trying to sign him. You know, he was about to sign um, with um, Eddie, uh, but, you know, we, we love heavyweights. And, yeah, uh, yeah, of course. You know, we've got a lot of heavyweights, uh, you know, that David can spar with. David will probably be going over in, in March to spar with Pulev, Hellenius, maybe even Boistov. Um, so, you know, it, 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 it works well together. Yeah, sure. Okay. Uh, we did mention uh, Kessler earlier. Um, what are the plans with Kester apart from maybe entering some sort of world record beard growing competition? <laughs> yeah, the, the the beard is a I believe it's a uh, it's a it's a bet with his friends. Um, so I think I think they got until the first of March, and whoever doesn't shave it has to forfeit X and X and do some kind of dare. Um, but uh, he's, he's become a father, hasn't he? Since yeah, the he's, he's become a father. Um, and I think, you know, that's, uh, he, he's enjoying fatherhood at the moment, but Mikkel's always in the gym. He's always in shape. Uh, you know, he walks around at, you know, light heavyweight now. So, I mean, it, it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be you know... Once he if makes he, If he decided to come work. and make another fight, have another fight, it would be, it'd be a few months away because he's already in, you know, he's already got that level of fitness. Yeah. Would you be surprised if he didn't fight again? Yeah, I would be surprised, yeah. Yeah, so you can see him back. You think he'll fight in 2014? Hard to say. I hope so. Of course, I hope so. But, um, yeah, you know, I think so. I think so. Okay. With regards to Frotch Groves, <coughs> it's on May the 31st. It looks like it's yeah. heading to London. Um, are you surprised that the fight's been made? You know, I, I didn't, uh, you know, I, I have to take my hat off to Eddie, <laughs> Eddie Hearn. I mean, it's, it's, it's a tough fight to make. 
Um, you know, both fighters going in expecting excellent. You know, the, the obviously George. Well, yeah, no, I mean, you know, George. George deserves his part, and then of course Carl, you know, deserves his part as well. So it's just about making the deal work. And um, you know, I'm not I'm not surprised because, to be honest, I don't think there's any any other fight out there for Carl until he fights George. Okay. And that's you know, I, I finally could have fought Julio Cesar Chavez. And yeah, I mean, I would have watched that fight. It would have been a good fight. But there's still that that question mark over the f uh, over George, you yeah. know, over that fight. And of course, Julio Cesar Chavez was coming off a debatable uh, victory against um, uh, Brian Brian Vera. Brian Vera yeah. They're rematching next yeah next yeah, week or so week after. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. Slightly slightly changing tack somewhat. Uh, if you could promote anyone in world boxing today that you don't already have, who would you like to be working with? And that's a good question. I can you know, look, I mean... Gennady, <coughs> you've got your Golovkins, you've got your Andre yeah. Wards, you've got your Frotches, you've got your Klitschkos. You know, as far as sort of... Floyd, obviously. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> that, 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 for me, that's the, uh, that's, the, that's the obvious answer, but... You know, along with Floyd, it comes, it's, you know, it's, you, see, you see the person <laughs> yeah. he expects, you know. I mean, uh, it depends what kind of a viewpoint, uh, you know, if, as a fan, yeah. my, my favorite fighter at the moment walking around is, is, is probably Miguel Cotto. I know he's not uh, the best fighter uh, out of anyone, but he's, for me, he's the, the, he's the most exciting and sort of, he's what a fighter should be. Um, but as far as promoting, you know, there's uh, quite a few fighters out there. I'm trying to think of one, you know, of, uh, Golovkin, of course. But again, then you have that problem of, um, you know, he may not be the most marketable in the world. He's from Kazakhstan, but by boxing in America, um, it's hard to market, but they yeah. are marketing him now through his boxing skills. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's an endless question, that one. Okay, okay. Um, are you always looking to take on more fighters or are you set with a stable you've got for the time being? Um, you know, at the moment, I'm happy with the stable we have. Um, you know, and uh, any promoter will tell you that there's only so, such a limit to, to how many fighters you can take. But if something exceptional comes along, then of course. Or a new angle or a new territory, then, you know... Uh, of course, see what top rank course. are doing in the Middle East and exactly. that kind of stuff. Yeah, exactly, yeah. you know, in, in China, in Mac Sorry, the Macau. Far East. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay. And, uh, well, yeah, I mean, the Middle East is another one, you know. Can you imagine yeah. you find a, a Saudi Arabian uh, heavyweight champion? Of the yeah, world? It's not going to happen yeah. for a while, but, you know, things are developing, you know. You have a lot of money going into sports in Qatar and all these places. So Dubai and so forth. Dubai, so exactly, yeah. you know. Um, Russia's another one, you know, where they're developing and developing. I mean, they've already got a great, you know, history of fighters, but... Yeah, yeah, for sure. But they've started to stake real money up against it, as you know, with yeah. um, with the Povetkin fight in Klitschko last year. Well, exactly. You know, we were involved in that. But, uh, you know, as a promoter of a fighter, I don't think... You know, it was, it was, a, it was a strange one, you know, to work out there. It was, it was different. Yeah, I can imagine. I can well imagine. Okay, with regards to um, UK, you've obviously got Dion Juma too, uh, as well as David Price. So it's not going to be long before you're promoting your own shows in the UK, or are you going to be doing some co-promotions? Um, 
you know, the, 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 the way me and my brother work, uh, the way Team Sourland works, is that we're happy to, to work with other promoters. We, the door's always open. We don't ever shut the door on anything. Um, you know, we, we can promote on our own, and we're also happy to co-promote like we did very successfully with Matchroom. Um, you know, it was a 50-50 show, and it worked perfectly, and they were a joy to work with. Um, but, you know, with David Price, of course, you know, we, we, we would go into it thinking that we're going to promote on our, on our own. Sure, okay. Um, and with regards to the UK side of things, um, just so that um, our listeners get um, the overall picture, you have a TV deal with Box Nation, but you have worked with Matchroom in the past. If you were to promote your own shows in the UK... Do you know how that, how that would go about in terms of TV, or is that separate to anything that you've done before? Well, you know, it depends on the show. Um, you know, if it was, a, if it was a big enough show, then you know, we'd we'd we put it out to the biggest bidder. Sure. Uh, okay. And that's you know that's how it'd work it. Um, but you know, of course, we have an output deal with our foreign shows to Box Nation at the moment. Sure. Okay. Um, we've seen um, recently in the marketplace in in. Um, in TV, I don't know if you're aware, but the WWE have their own app coming out where they where they're putting all their yeah. video content and archive stuff through an app. And the UFC are doing something similar. Do you do you envisage some promoters doing something similar, uh, screening their own fights? Because it's been it's been tough it's been tough out there in, in the TV landscape, certainly in the UK. Um, but also, everyone's had issues with promotion with you know, promotional stuff uh, worldwide with different TV deals. Do you anticipate there being a stage where all promoters have their own TV networks? Well, look, I mean, if you look at uh, David Coldwell, he's got a great app. Um, you know, I, I spoke to him the other day about it. It's, you know, it's actually really highly, very well produced. Um, and he's got quite a few people following on that. So, I mean, yeah, in the, in the future, you know, it, I mean, for us, we have very good connections with t television. As long as we have the host broadcaster, who, where we get the signal, the, the TV signal of the show from, we're, we're confident to put it into 20, 30, 40 countries around the world, depending on the, depending on the show. Sure. But of course, an app um, where you could actually, you know, let's say, charge people two pounds to watch the show, or five pounds, or ten pounds, judging on what the scale of the show. Of course, that would be interesting. And and also, you know, getting it out there around the world, and if you, especially if you can block the territories that you've sold in already, yeah, you know, it's definitely something we'd look into in the future. Okay, it's something you touched upon a bit with um, the Golovkin stuff earlier, and this is really putting your promoter's hat on. Um, can Eastern Bloc and Cuban fighters become superstars? We've seen this with Rigondo, who's got seemingly limitless talent, but he's really struggling to strike a chord with the U.S. mass TV market. Um, Golovkin, you've mentioned, you know, he's, he's taken his show on the road to Monte Carlo to sort of build his reputation internationally as well, uh, and to keep busy, I think, away from the American TV networks who maybe don't want four fights a year against, you know, two two smaller fights and two bigger ones. Um, but there's, there's, do you think there's a way that, that these guys can become superstars? Um, and when I say that, I mean crossover mainstream stars. Um. You know, I think, uh, I mean, if, if I give a case example of Juan Pablo Hernandez, uh, he started out, at, you know, fighting and getting maybe uh, three million people watching on German TV, which is 
not brilliant. It's gone up now to 4.5 to 5 million people watching him. So he's grown. But the question of being a crossover star to the rest of the world, I'm not sure. Um, someone like Golovkin, um, you know, he's talked about everywhere now in boxing circles. No one wants to fight him. Um, HBO are now thinking very highly of him. It wouldn't surprise me if this year becomes a pay-per-view fighter out there. Um, but the question is, will my wife know him? Or will my, you know, Joe Bloggs off the street? I don't know. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a tough job. Yeah, it's, it's really tough. Um, like you said, we've seen, well, like I said, we've seen Rigondo as well, who's really sort of struggled, he, even though he's got that clear win over yeah. Nanito Donaire, who was, you know, p in pound for pound terms, sort of top three or four guy at the time. And it's, uh, it's, it's tough out there for those, for those guys to cross over. Even when you've got guys like Andre Ward, who obviously have English as their, their mother tongue, so to speak, they, he, he's struggling to cross over. I, th I think the problem with someone like Rigondo, Andre Ward, is that they're almost too good. Um, in the fact that if Andre Ward engaged in a few fights, took a couple of shots, made it exciting, I know that's very hard to do in boxing because you can't just take a couple of shots, but, but if he made his fights a little bit more exciting, um, he should be a superstar. Look at, you know, the guy should be a superstar. He's good looking, he's a good fighter. Um, I think Nike even using him a little bit in their mm -hmm. campaigns, but I, I don't understand how that he, he's at the perfect weight. Um, but it's it just everyone. he's too he's too good almost, mm. you know. And it, it it doesn't. I would rather watch like someone you know like Miguel Cotto. I, sorry, it's good, but you know yeah, someone sure. who's excited he's in exciting fights. Um, you know, I, I don't know. Uh, he, he, it, 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 it's the same. It's the same as Rigondo. He's almost too good. You talk about exciting fights, and we talked about um, the Germans enjoying their heavyweights. <laughs> what, what kind of what, what's the general reaction to Tyson Fury in Germany? Uh, you know, I, um, I think uh, Tyson Fury has been over a few times to the gym for sparring. Um, you know, he came. Just I'm talking about the office, uh, our office over there. Comes across very well. Very nice guy. Um, as far as in the boxing scene. I don't think people have seen enough of him yet um, to make it out. The guy's in exciting fights. Every, t every fight is pretty, you know, he goes down, gets up, takes a shot, but he always ends up winning. Um, so, you know, I mean, the last fight, I actually didn't see the, uh, the J Joey Abel for Abel fight, um, but I heard he took a couple of shots. Um, I think Abel's a southpaw, so yeah, it's typical know, Fury stuff. He walked onto a few. To yeah, well, exactly, and then, and then it ends up winning. Him, yeah. So, I mean, you know, you, you question, you used to say uh, Andre Ward. What if Andre Ward took a couple more and, and still won? You know, no one's, uh, no, Andre Ward's never, he's never been, uh, never been knocked Tested down, never been that. hit, hit, you know. It's, but Tyson Fury, you know, he's, uh, you know, there's something about the guy. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, I, f I think, look, people may say, oh, he's getting hit this, he's getting hit, but he still wins. So that's the main thing. Fight you'd like to have for David Price down the line? David Price against Tyson Fury. Yeah, I mean, in a, in a year's time, you know, I think they both need to go their separate ways, find themselves, if you like, um, and, you know, build up some more popularity. Um, but that's a fight that, you know, would be definitely interesting. Okay. Um, with your current stable, if you could make one fight for one of your guys, what, what's the dream? What's the dream clash and where would you stage it? 
That's a good question. Let's have a little think. I will let you have a think. Um, uh, you know... John, you can have a little... You can. I've actually got some competition stuff to read out, actually. Yeah, you can you have a little think it. about okay, that. Okay, I have a sip of um, Yeah, exactly. Um, last week, uh, during the podcast, uh, we wanted to know... Uh, it basically came about that the gloves that uh, Cassius Clay wore, uh, as he was then, for the uh, first fight with Sonny Liston were coming onto the market uh, for an expected to fetch half a million dollars. Um, we wanted to know what memorabilia you guys would have uh, or, or bid for. Uh, the first one came from Vince Hale, who said uh, the first the piece of boxing memorabilia he would buy is Evander Holyfield's ear. Um, the second one came from Manasseh Mawler, who chose mine, who said uh, he'd, he'd get the gloves from the Dempsey-Willard fight. Um, there was one from Jury Powell, one of our contributors, saying uh, he'd like to own the first ever Welsh title from 1915 when Joe John beat Arthur Evans on points over 20 rounds. Uh, Daniel Fraser said he would buy uh, Tyson's signed shorts from the Trevor Burbick fight in 1986. Uh, but the winner goes to Joe Burgess, who said, uh, for sentimental reasons, no doubt, uh, I'd buy Johnny Owens belts and take them on a tour of Wales so he can be recognised as a true Welsh great. Uh, so, Joe, if you uh, email in your address, then we'll send you out a Boxing News Annual and a couple of bits. Uh, so, Nisa, this, uh, pick a fight for one of your guys. You know, the, the obvious one to say would be uh, Kessler Frotch Free. Kessler Ward too, um, but you know I quite like Hook. You know to give a, a British angle, Hook against uh, let's say Cleverly. Okay. You know he's going up in weight now. That's an interesting fight. Yeah. In a couple definitely. of fights, time. I think Cleverly needs to have a couple of cruiserweight fights or even bail you as well at that weight. Yeah. And then of course uh, Pulev Klitschko. Okay. All right. Interesting stuff. Yeah. Um, and then just personally, a little, about, a little bit about you, just in closing. Um, obviously, your father's a great Hall of Fame uh, promoter. He was inducted last year, the year before? A couple of years, couple ago, years yeah. ago. In Canastota. Um, were, you, were you and Callow always going to come into boxing together? Was that always the, the dream? That was always a dream. You know, when me and my brother were kids, we used to uh, arrange fights between me and him and sell tickets and then sell my dad's champagne to his friends. So he used to get all his <laughs> friends down and, you know, make a little bit of money out of it and uh, fight each other, literally fight each other. Gloves? Yeah, gloves. No, but no, no, yeah. I think, I think once he wore, like, just, you know, like, the really thin bag gloves. <laughs> like and I had to wear, like, there. 20 ounces. <laughs> okay. Um, who'd win today? Uh, well, I've been in the ring a few times, but just, you know, just... Uh, white collar shows just for a laugh um, but he's he's a lot bigger than me now I don't know I'd, I'd have to say I've got the speed on him so. <laughs> and I've got a better chin okay um, we, we did mention a little bit before Callow gets a lot of the headlines um, as almost the front man of the operation uh, what's the difference between your roles between your role and his role to be honest my brother uh, you know ever, ever since we were kids he's uh, He's got the better. He's 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 the bigger talker than me. Um, I'm sometimes a little bit too realistic with things, and I think you know, I, I do a lot of the boxing side of stuff. Um, but my brother's, he's definitely got the uh, the gift of the gab. Okay, and because 
I remember him saying the Super 6 was his idea, wasn't it? He's very yeah. sort of proud that he was, was behind the Super 6. I have to say, to give him a little bit of credit, he, it was all pretty much his idea with um, Ken Hirschman from HBO. Um, I remember being on holiday somewhere and he's like, oh, I got this idea. I was like, what? I was also sort of half asleep. He goes, we're going to do the Champions League of boxing. I was like, huh? And then he sort of explained it to me and I was, I was like, ah, that's not a bad idea. And, you know, we rolled from it from there and it was very successful. Um, I mean, you know, if we did it again, there may be a couple of things that would change just to make it maybe run a bit smoother. But, you know, I think it was a success. It launched Carl Froch's career. And Andre Ward's really. And Andre Ward's. Or, or didn't it? Well, yeah. it gave him a platform for gave sure. Gave him a platform, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely, yeah. It was interesting to see what happened really from that because um, it was supposed to tell a story, wasn't it? Introduce people to the fighters as as people, not just boxers, but as to tell their stories. And it was interesting to see the differing fortunes when you look back at it. You see, um, uh, obviously, Jermaine Taylor crashed and burned. Alan, Alan Green came in, uh, had a small role to play in it. Um, and in terms of um, your own talent, um, it was... It was. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. It was. A, it wasn't. I was going to say mini disaster, but it was a bit of a disaster for Arthur Abraham, wasn't it? I mean, you know, Arthur was the highly talented, talented guy when he going in there, and uh, you know, I think he was second favorite, maybe, and I think Kessler might have maybe been Mikel one. was number one. Yeah, yeah. and um, obviously after he knocked out Jermaine Taylor in the twelfth round with a massive shot. Everyone was like, oh, my God, this guy's going to... You know, that was his opening statement, wasn't it? it was yeah, the there's, no fight, way, yeah. there's no way, because he made the biggest opening statement. I think Carl fought Durrell, very close decision. Um, and, you know, I think everyone expected Arthur to go from strength from, to strength from there, but he didn't. I don't know what happened. Yeah, was it, it, do you think it was one of those... Was, it, was he clearly out... Had he clearly outgrown middleweight? Um... <laughs> You know, I, I, to this day, I still believe that Arthur, if he'd stayed at middleweight, he would have, you know, uh, still now been a force to be reckoned with. Him against Golovkin would have been a great fight. But him and Sturm was arguably one of the yeah. best fights of the generation that didn't yeah. happen. You know, one of those ones because no, no, they both reigned at a lot for a long time at the same time, didn't yeah. they? Yeah, we made quite a few offers to Sturm, but you know, it never happened. Um, you know, Arthur. Yeah, I don't know if it was a question of outgrowing middleweight or, or you know, he, he wanted to go on to different things, um, you know, at that time. You hear a lot of stories about Arthur and fast cars and different things like that. He he loves his, is it Ferraris and that kind of stuff? Yeah, yeah, I think he's he's pretty into that, you know. And, uh, and Mikel's into his motorbikes? Mikel's into, yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, they live live dangerously. Yeah. Not not the best for fighters sometimes, you know. Can I say, the insurance bill that's out yeah, the yeah. Year of all the extreme sports <laughs> and everything. Um, okay, well, look, that's going to uh, do us nicely for today. So really appreciate you coming Lovely. into the office. Uh, it's been anytime. great to have a catch up. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah, we'll have to uh, get you in before too long again. Definitely, and, uh, 100%. Without Caller as well, because then, yeah, yeah, yeah. then you get a word in yeah, edgeways. Yeah, Mike off him, yeah, <laughs> that's brilliant. Okay, all right, guys. Well, thanks a lot for joining us. And many thanks to Nisi for popping in.